This Week, Art in the Year wishes you a Happy New Year and features film director Dan Meyer discussing his upcoming picture, Bulls, to be set and filmed in Michigan City. Next, we feature internationally acclaimed pianist, recording artist, and educator Sofia Agronovich. Our spotlight is on For the Love of Art Share, coming in March 2023 with its founder, Cherie Johnson. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM and WVLP, 103.1 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming at WVLP.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available on our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our shows are available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for more information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome back to Art in the Air from the For the Love of Art Fair. It's in South Bend at the Century Center. And that'll be uh, March 4th and 5th of next year coming up. That'll be the ninth season, by the way, though our guest has done these for 13 years. But what we're talking about is also the chance for artists to still be part of that. Shereen Klein, welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight. Thank you. Welcome. Hi, Esther. I love the name, For the Love of Art. Well, I definitely do this for the love of I mean, that's why I started it was the fact that I do this because I love the arts. I love being around artists. I love learning about their process and just the energy that they bring to the show. So how many artist slots do you have for the show uh, total? Well, we normally end up with 50 to 60 artists. And right now we have 15 openings. Okay, and then this will be airing it, you know, at the end of this uh, year and early next year. So you still have 15 openings, but then when they're gone, they're gone, correct? But I don't, I still encourage you to reach out to me because someone maybe had a change of plans, they're going on vacation, something happened in the family. So once in a while, we have people that have to cancel and we may have that medium open for you. Okay. Now, do you you obviously kind of personally curate this a little bit, so you're not just getting junk in the show, but what types of art and artists are you looking for, for a variety? Well, I definitely do curate it. I go on road trips, and so like one of the road trips that I decided to take this summer was to Louisville, Kentucky, and Lexington. So we have a dozen artists coming up from, from there. I'm always, like, I'm looking for those artists that are, like, pushing the bar, thinking out of the box, but there's pottery and you know 
ceramics, sculptures. There's uh, two stone sculptors coming this year. Um, photography, fine photography, like yourself, and paintings, uh, jewelry. Um, there's so many different mediums. I mean, we have pulp artists. Right? We have a paper artist. So, you know, makes handmade pulp and then paints on the, the paper. So um, I don't rule out mediums because we have artists that are, they have their MFAs. So yes, they've maybe graduated with a master's of fine arts, but also there are, are artists have learned something. They've taken something that they learned from a trade and they pursued a full-time, you know, to become a full-time artist. And then there's the outsider artist as well. Excellent. So um, yeah, you, you've been doing this, well, for 13 years, but nine years uh, under that name. Uh, what drove you to do that? You kind of hit some of that, but are, and do you do any art yourself? I actually do. I, um, I'm very creative, but I don't have enough time half the time. I just don't have enough time <laughs> to do something. Once a year, I try to put something together and enter in a jury show in Three Rivers, Michigan, which is coming up. The deadline is like January 1st. So if anyone wants to enter that jury regional in Three Rivers, Michigan, they're welcome to do that as well. I'm always open to share uh, other opportunities with the artists, like with my show. Yes, it's my show. I created the show. But these artists, there are artists that, there's producers that and gallery owners that actually come to my show and recruit or they're looking for you know artists to be spotlighted and show in their venue or their museum so there's a lot of opportunities to be a part of for love art fair what type of art do you collect oh wow <laughs> you wouldn't believe how full my house is esther yeah. um, <laughs> besides wall art 2d art paintings i actually collect uh, some antique um i'll like antique posters. Um, I don't know. Glass art is my biggest thing. I love glass. A lot of Viking glass. Um, the leak. I have one little Tiffany I can say that I have. Uh -huh. I, my house is full. It's it's definitely, um, I have a little dog, as you notice, but it's not a place for kids to play, unfortunately. <laughs> So is there something else you want to do? Uh, like, would you want to expand to do like a second uh, event during the year? I know this is a lot of work to put it together, but would you be interested in doing like a, a second event? Or do you do some other events outside the big one? I used to do five shows in the summer at one time. And then I decided to get away from the elements of rain, cold, wind, and all those things that comes with the summer events. That's when I decided to go indoors. And actually, it was uh, our expo and sofa that I went to visit Brabant. Uh, he he inspired me. You know, he's never going to leave me. Okay, Joe and Brabant will never leave me, but because they always believed in me. But uh, they invited me to a sofa show, and I decided that I would take my show and do an indoor show, the same caliber. Like the same caliber of sofa and a one-tenth the size. However, the artist would represent themselves and they'd get 100% of their profit. All they need to do is pay for their booth, which my booth fee is very low. It's only $350 for a booth for a 10 by 10. 
That's really an excellent, uh, you know, price and great deal. And yeah, Brabant and uh, Joe, what a what a wonderful <laughs> pair. And I know you were very very close to them. And it's kind of sad that we uh, have lost them uh, this past year. But uh, you were right in there with them. So well, um, I'm hoping just to let you know that uh, Leo Lenting he hopes to uh, come in, and we're probably going to show Brabant's work um, again at the 2023. Oh, good. Show. Good. I was hoping that was going to be part of it. So we need to wrap up here in just a few moments here. So tell us again uh, what you're looking for, the dates of the show, where it's at, and everything, Shree. Okay. March 4th and 5th, South Bend Century Center. If anyone would like to apply, they can go to fortheloveofartfair.com. Make sure that's not the number four, but F-O-R, fortheloveofartfair.com. Or just reach out to me through Facebook. You can reach out through Shireen johnson because i checked that one more than my real name shereen klein <laughs> okay thank you so much for coming art in the air spotlight shereen klein and uh it's for the love of art fair march 4th and 5th thanks again for coming thank to art in the air spotlight. best of luck so much thank you art on the air spotlight and the full one hour art on the air program on lakeshore public radio is brought to you by macaulay real estate in valparaiso olga patrician senior broker You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. We would like to welcome Dan Meyer to Art on the Air. Dan is an actor, writer, and producer from Michigan City, Indiana. He has written several screenplays and wrote and produced the 2017 Netflix movie Pottersville. After dividing his time between Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago, he has settled back to his hometown since the pandemic. Dan plans on filming a movie in Michigan City based on a script he developed around 20 years ago called Bulls, a buddy comedy about two friends and a dark team. Thank you, Dan, for joining Larry and I on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. We're pleased to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Dan, we always like to start off our interviews t- finding out a little bit about our guests, their history. And since you're from the region uh, originally, uh, tell us about how you got from where you were to where you are now. So talk about yourself. Um, yeah, you know, I, was, I was born in Michigan City, uh, went to school here, ended up at Rogers. And um, never, I always kind of gravitated toward the arts. When I was a kid, I, uh, in high school, I... I Breakdancing had just started, and I taught myself how to breakdance, and then um, ended up teaching breakdancing here in Michigan City at the Y, and at another dance studio and stuff, and then uh, went to IU and spent a couple years there. I wasn't kind of floated around, and I found uh, and I ended up working doing costumes for the, the ballet and the opera while I was there for a little bit, but college really wasn't for me, so I left and went to Chicago and worked at an art gallery. And um, uh, had an apartment with a friend, and kind of everything all fell apart in one week. Like I lost my job, the roommate thing fell apart. I was dating this girl; she broke up with me, and I didn't know what I was going to do. But I always knew in the back of my mind that I had wanted to act. That I wanted to be an actor, and I thought, well, I'm going to give give that a shot. And me and the girlfriend at the time got back together, and. Um, uh, I went to the library. I took an acting class, but didn't really like that. Went to the library, got a bunch of acting books, went on an audition. It came down to Mike Shannon and I for the lead. Uh, he got it. I got a smaller part in the play. Uh, he's been one of my best friends ever since. We ended up starting a theater company together in Chicago, and that was it. Earl, let's dial back to your time in Michigan City, like at Rogers. Did, did you do any uh, theater productions there? No. 
No. No, never did a play, never was in the drama department. Um, I didn't really, I just knew it was always something I wanted to try, but I never really thought about it in, in high school. Right. Well, and also live acting is different than like film and other acting. So you filmed a theater company. Tell us a little bit about that uh, experience. Mike and I were roommates, and um, we used to walk all over. So we were like, let's start a theater company. So we called it The Walking Company. And we did a couple of plays. And one play that we did, we did uh, The Zoo Story, Edward Albers, Edward Albee's Zoo Story. Mike loved that play. I loved the play. And uh, it's just two characters. And um, But we did a pretty unique thing. We did it at a little, what was it? I think it was called Cafe Voltaire there. And you could, you could, they would give you the space for free in the basement, um, but then you would split the box office with them, something like that. And we decided, so we got the space, and we decided to not rehearse. Uh, the play was two people that meet on a park bench in New York, and we're like, well, they've never met, so why rehearse it? I trust you, you trust me. We both went and worked on our parts. We got a, a park bench. And I sat down on the park bench, and when Mike decided to enter the stage, he did. And then we did the play. And um, it sold out every night. Uh, I think the reader, you know, got like one of their sort of like, uh, I don't know what it was called, but, you know, like a, a recommended, you know, review. And they said, this is the next uh, John Malkovich and Gary Sinise of Chicago <laughs> Theater. And um, as I was saying, it's like, and they were half right. Mike turned out to be like the next John Malkovich of Chicago Theater. What year was that, Dan? What year was that? It had to be like maybe 93 or 94 or something like that. Yeah, somewhere around there. So do you still dance? Not break dance, but I, I, I can, you know. <laughs> Very good. So how long did you do that from the 90s? How, how long were you in that little theater? Not too long. What happened was just there was a casting director in Chicago named Jane Brody who I met early on. I had just done a couple of plays. Well, actually, that, that happened before I came back and Mike and I did the theater company. Uh, but she met me pretty early on. I had done play with Mike and then one other. And I got into her acting class. And then um, she found me one day and called me up. And she's like, hey, I just had lunch with this casting director and this uh, manager from Los Angeles. You don't need a manager. If I told them all about it, you should go and meet them. And one thing led to another. I won't tell you the whole story, but... At the end of the meeting, the manager said, I want to sign you with the club. And um, she came back and met me on um, a couple of occasions. And then I ended up signing with her. And I went to uh, New York and then out to L.A. But that was kind of, those were, I was just brand new. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a goofy kid and uh, just had done two plays. So then I left and came back. And um, that's when Mike and I started the, the theater company. And we did that for a little bit. And then um, I went back out to L.A. again. And uh, stayed longer. And then um, then Mike you know, has a theater company now. They're called uh, Red Orchid. That's a great space that's been around for like 30 years now, pretty close to it. So so you get to L.A. and start telling you about our story while you're there, about how that worked out. Yeah, so, well, this is, this is great because this is sort of how Bulls got originated. So um, I, uh, when I moved out there... Uh, Paul Rudd and I had a mutual friend and we were both kind of starting our acting careers and our mutual friend was like, well, you guys got to meet. I think you guys like each other. And we met, he was the first person I met when I got to LA and uh, we just hit it off and we've been great friends ever since. And um, he had just done Clueless, but Clueless hadn't come out. 
And, um, and then I got cast in a movie pretty quickly, got lucky. And then that movie called The Locust, and that ended up starring Vince Vaughn and uh, um, Kate Capshaw was in it, and Ashley Judd, Jeremy Davies, and then Paul. Paul ended up being in it, too, and me. And um, it was the first movie Vince did after uh, Swingers, after he did Swingers, but Swingers hadn't come out. And I knew John Favreau a little bit from Chicago because we had been cast in a play together there. So um, uh, I got to see sort of how they're, you know, that whole, I love the movie Swings. I loved it then. I love it now. I just think it's so, they're, they're both amazing in it. And John did an amazing job writing it. And, uh, and I was just really inspired by what those guys did with Swingers. So, and Paul introduced me to darts. Um, he was like, he called me up one day and he said, Hey, uh, you want to go out and have a couple of beers and throw some darts? I was, I was like, you're going to go out and get a little drunk and throw sharp metal objects around a crowded bar. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Uh, and he's like, no, it's the greatest like pub game. So we went and did that and just hooked. Then we went and played darts all the time. So inspired by uh, what Vince and John did with Swingers, I thought, well, let me write a, a script for me and my friends. And um, and that's when I wrote Bulls. It was, that, that was a thing that we did. And it, took place mostly in bars. It was meant to be like, you know, inexpensively made sort of like swingers. And that's what happened. And a lot of people were interested in it. And, you know, it was one of these things, you know, where it's like, cause all like, so it was me and I wrote a part for me and Paul and Mike Shannon and Adam Scott and John Hamm did one of the first readings of it with us. And he sort of ran around in our group too. And, um, people were interested in it, but like, you know, you know, sometimes like, couldn't get the funding or you know, people were like, let's get more money. It, it just never came together. And, um, and then those guys all went off to be really big, really successful, pretty big stars. And um, then I just kind of put it away. And then last summer, somebody suggested I, what if I did it here? And sort of one thing led to another. And now here we are. And the great thing about that is, is that um, it feels like this is exactly how it was meant to be. And so you wrote it and you were 20 years younger then. So, and you were thinking of casting yourself. So now as you're thinking about it, is your cast going to be the, of the age that you are now? Or are you going to cast like 20 yeah. years? Yeah. So what's yeah. your thoughts so on that? All, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. You know, I, I, um, I, uh, I don't have any, I'm directing, you know, so I, I don't have, uh, I don't have any interest in being, I just, I kind of lost the uh, excitement and love for acting that I had. Uh, a long time ago, we, we did Pottersville, you know, and um, there was a role available and, you know, producers there, Ron Perlman, like Ron Perlman called me up one day. He's like, come on, why don't you just play this part? And I was like, I just don't want to, like, I don't want to. About 10 years ago, we made a short film in New York that uh, called happy hour that went, you know, did some festivals and won an award and, you know, and I acted in it and it was my least favorite part of the process. Mm. So, writing the producing was great and now this is my first time directing and going through this process and i'm just madly in love with it this, <laughs> the, the directing thing seems to really fit my brain pretty well so far so now as you're thinking about the casting though are you i mean how did you envision it i mean you wrote it for yourself and your friends so that was like a, at an age of 20 years ago so now how are you seeing it like what age range are you going to cast these buddies at you know like yeah these guys will all be you know these guys will all be around you know 
30, I think 30s. probably like early 30. I, yeah, I brought, uh, we did a reading at uh, uh, Zorn, Zorn Brewery here in um, Michigan City. It's, it's where we're going to shoot the, Hank and Austin are the two main characters. And uh, that's going to be our bar where we shoot for them. So we, I brought some friends in from, um, uh, from Chicago that read some of the main parts, um, including Hank and Austin, the two main characters. And then uh, we cast a bunch of, uh, you know, a lot of friends. You know, uh, Kelly Daisy, our producer, producer, she's done some films around here, and she brought in some people that she's worked with. And I brought in some friends of mine, some some of that I had never acted before, but I had rehearsed with them beforehand. And um, the reading just went phenomenal, like wow. across. And I really, I I tell you, it's uh, I had expected that the professional actors that came in from Chicago there to be this huge gap between them. And then the people that we uh, use locally, and that was not the case at all. Um, it, it was it felt pretty pretty even playing board. Um, so it, it, I'm very excited about uh, about using local people in the movie, yeah. and uh, uh, and it's just, it, that's really what the movie's about. The movie, the movie is you know these two underdogs that that um, get a chance to do something seemingly impossible because they're not really great at darts at the beginning. But then they, they, there's a coach that sort of hangs out, a guy that hangs out at their bar that ends up coaching them. And, uh, and they, as they start to get better, the town really starts to rally around them. And, 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 uh, you know, and that's exactly what has been happening with our film, is that the town the community has been rallying around the films, mirroring the, the action of, of the film. And it's, uh, it's already just been kind of a magical experience. Are you beyond the table read? I mean, have you actually shot some footage already, or you're just in the table read stage? No, no, no. Yeah, just just a table read. We're we're locking down locations now. We're we're um, you know still in the process of you know uh, getting the financing. Um, but uh, on the way there, we're doing all this kind of stuff. But it's really we're uh, having a just talked to an editor yesterday um, who had uh, worked on uh, Pottersville, the movie that we did. Uh, cinematographer who worked on that. A friend of mine who's won a couple of Emmys. Uh, set design to be our set designer. So we're kind of, you know, we're in the process of trying to bring all these elements together. So if we were fortunate enough to, uh, there's some wood here, I'll knock on that real quick. <laughs> but if they were fortunate enough to get all these amazing people to be on our film, you know, of, you know, production-wise and all that, it's going to be uh, really something special. So that's what we're doing now. And then the casting will start after the first year. Um, so have some ideas in mind. We want to bring in, I have some, you know, lucky enough to have some uh, well-known actor friends. So we're going to try to, you know, Really, I have to probably get down on my knees and beg, you know, for <laughs> one of them to come in and be in it for a couple of days or something. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, the two main characters will, um, they own the bar. So that's Zorn. And then I read that the big championship is going to be someplace else. Have you picked that location out yet? And we're kind of narrowing it down. Good. So we had sort of a big, we had a meeting about that yesterday because the, 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 the majority of the movie, uh, probably half of the movie, takes place in Hank and Austin's bar, which will be at Zorn, and then where the World Dart Championship is, and that's the big finale of the movie. So about half of the movie takes place just between those two locations. Um, uh, but most of the movie in, in, in our world of the film of Bulls will take take place in the um, you know the Uptown Arts District here in, here in Michigan City, between like there and the beach, but it's. That's where the, the uh, in the movie the bar is set, and then there's a couple of other businesses, friend owns and stuff that that's kind of where they live. Their apartment is there, 
So uh, a lot of the, sort of the exteriors and that will be shot in the Uptown Arts District and then some out at the beach and stuff like that. So, Are you still looking for local cast? I mean, you know, uh, Northwest Indiana, you know, is a theater-rich community, you know, depending on where you go. Are, are you still looking for some of those other cast members? We're looking for all the cast members. Okay. Um, we, have, we haven't officially cast anything yet. Um, so we're looking for all of the cast. Uh, um, and that's, dude, that's, pretty much is how the process works. Right. We're, we're, you know, still much out. So, but that is, that's, a, this is what's been really important to me is, um, to showcase this part of, you know, this, our community where we live, you know, this, this, you know, uh, North, Northwest Indiana. And, um, so yeah, so it's really important to me to use local actors. Uh, the movie being set in, um, you know, largely in bars, there's, I always want there to be like some music playing in the background. So, you know, want local musicians, you know, we have oh, fans. We have original. some great local musicians. <laughs> so we, I want to, want to use all of that in the film to, you know, promote local actors, promote local uh, musicians, um, all that stuff. I might, this is, this is, you know, this is my hope is that when the movie comes out and people see it, people go, I can't believe that's Indiana. Cause I think people have this sort of, you know, uh, yeah. This sort of idea of what it is, cornfields and, you know, uh, farmers and that. And we do have that. And, you know, my grandfather owned a farm and uh, uh, which is great. But there's also another part, too, you know, and um, and so I really want them to sort of see the whole. And we're going to show like the farms and all that kind of stuff in the, in the film, too. And this is part of the opening uh, opening credit sequence that I have. But I want to show like a day in the life of Michigan City. So we're going to see a wide spectrum of, uh, of the, of the community here. And that's the other thing I've done too, is that I've went through and looked at the, uh, the local, the most recent, um, census of, of the area. And we want to cast accordingly to that too, just so that it's an accurate representation of our town because the town ends up playing a character in the film. Um, so I really want to, uh, do as, uh, as accurate a representation of, of the area as possible. So. Yeah, it's a terrific community. Yes. So um, let's ask you some advice uh, for a young actor. You've been through the process, and you've sort of moved into producing, directing, and writing. But uh, what would be the advice if someone, young guy, gal, is looking to start a career in acting? Um, I will tell you, Larry David um, gave me the best advice when I was starting out. And he said, kid, I hear you're pretty talented. He said, but it took me, I think he was, this was when Seinfeld just started out. It was, he, he, they hadn't, it hadn't been a hit yet. And he, he was like, we're going to get canceled. We're going to get canceled. And uh, he said, but it took me 40 some years to ever make a nickel in this business. <laughs> and uh, he said, so um, just stick with it. If this is what you want to do, stick with it. And um, I thought, just great advice, you know. I think it's. I think you kind of get down on yourself. You get disappointed. But if it's something you love to do, why not spend your life doing something you love to do? One of the advice I used to give my students, I said, you remember that rejection is not you personally; it's you as a product, and you have to you have to separate you as an acting product from you as an individual. And I said, sometimes the audition you go to doesn't get you that job, but sometimes the director or someone say, you remember that person we had for blah 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 blah, will bring you back to another job. So I've seen that many times. Many times. Many times. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's it. I, I can't tell you how many times I would go into a room and, you know, 
for whatever reason, you know, it's just like, that's not right. And, um, and I always thought too, as an actor, like it didn't matter to me if I had a good performance or I had a good audition, I knew, I knew intuitively that I was, that I, I had done a good job that day. And if I didn't get it, then that's fine. And if I did, that's, that's amazing. But I always knew, you know, how, how good of a job I did or not. And that's, that's really what I, that was my barometer. Like, not so much whether I was just like, no, I did it today. I did a good job and I left it there. So you'll be starting, uh, are you going to do a cattle call or how are you going to start casting and production process? You know, because this is going to air during New Year's weekend. And uh, so, you know. Yeah. It'll be shortly after that. You know, we're, right now, so we're, we're trying to build our whole like social, uh, social media platform for it. We have a, we have a, um, a, a Facebook page called Bulls the Movie at Facebook. And um, the the, uh, the notices for casting and all that will be there, casting crew and all that kind of stuff. And so if you if anybody follows that page, anybody wants to be involved, whether it's as an actor, a musician, uh, work on the crew, uh, PA, extra, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're interested in, um, excited about, if you just go to uh, Bulls the Movie at Facebook and follow that, and everything uh, everything will be announced there first. That would be uh, the best way to do it. And how about email? Can they email you or email uh, someone in your company if they have questions like that? Yes, we have an email at bullsmcin. Uh, at Gmail. Michigan bullsmcin at gmail.com. Right. And you can email them. And um, we have, we will get back to you. We have responded. We have responded to every email, every message on Facebook, all of it. And we try to do it as promptly as possible because, uh, you know, uh, it's it's exciting to people, and we want to uh, we don't want to we don't want to you know come off as jerks, so we get back to people as fast <laughs> as we can. So. Now you're looking to actually start uh, film production, like I, I'm assuming summer twenty three. Is that too soon? Or I read spring, spring. or spring, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> in May. So um, yeah, wanted to uh, once if we got into summer, then you know like some of the locations and stuff we need are they're, they're just. They're booked up. It's too busy, blah, blah, blah. But I also wanted to show the town at the time when it's it's coming to life. It's springtime. You know, it's, it's starting to get warm and the flowers are blooming and all that. I, wanted to, I want people to see it at, at its, you know, at its You're going to do some lake shots, right? Oh, yeah. Lake shots, drone shots. We'll see the city from the, the lake view and vice versa. And, yeah, uh, yeah, all of that's going to be in there. So we're, we're about one minute left here. Just give us a quick wrap up about, uh, and you sort of already touched on it, how to get in touch with you. And, you know, I don't know if you have a website up and you have a Facebook presence and uh, tell us a little about that. Yeah, we, we again, the, the Facebook presence, we're, we're, in the, we're in the process, again, uh, Bulls Movie at Facebook and then BullsMCIN at gmail.com. Those are the two main places now. But we will be, and hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be uh, doing an Instagram page and um think a LinkedIn page. Right. And um, I, I think that's what we have in, in planned right now. Social media is not my, uh, <laughs> is not my area of expertise, but we have people that are, are in charge of that. So, um, but those, those are the main places. Bulls Movie Facebook page and BullsMCIN at gmail.com. Well, very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air and sharing about uh, Bulls being uh, shot in Michigan City. It's a feature film with Dan Meyer directing and writing. And uh, so if you have information, we will have a link on our website that will take them directly to that and you can find out more information. Dan, thank you so much for coming on Art on the Air. Oh, yeah, this is so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. You guys come out and be a part of the movie too. (laughs) 
Well, maybe that, those we'll days take are past. We'll okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. This is Whitney Reynolds of The Whitney Reynolds Show, and you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP 103.1 FM. We are pleased to welcome Sofia Agranovic to Art on the Air. Sofia is an internationally acclaimed pianist, recording artist, and educator. A Steinway artist, she has collaborated with prominent musicians and members of major orchestras. Among her venues are Lincoln Center and Carnegie Hall in New York, the Erbastal in Austria, Kaiser Hall in Vienna, and the Sala Cortu in Paris. Her 10th album, Franz Lust's Rhapsodies, Etudes, and Transcriptions, was released on September 2nd of 2022 and has already garnered numerous awards. Thank you, Sophia, for joining Larry and I on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for invitation, and I'm thrilled to be here. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. I totally loved your choices on this album just so beautiful I, I particularly love the Hungarian pieces but the whole the whole album is just so gloriously beautiful thank you well Sophia we liked a little know a little bit about you for our audience I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now so tell us about yourself what do you think should be the starting point? <laughs> well, where you grew up and everything. Just tell us everything about you that you want to share. Oh uh, yeah, especially like how you chose, like how you became in love with the piano and. Okay, um, I was born in Ukraine. It used to be a Soviet Union um, when I was born. Now it's Ukraine, as we know. And I left when I was fifteen with my family for personal reasons. Um, but before that, um, I started playing piano when I was five. My mother was my first music teacher. Um, and it was not um, because I really planned to be a musician. It was part of general education, music, languages, um, you know, mathematics, advanced mathematics, not from childhood, but a little later. Uh, and this came very easy to me, all the lessons. So I was going very fast and my mom decided to give, um, um, to ask a private teacher to give me a lesson. So I started taking lessons and then they suggested I go to the official music school, which I did, I was accepted. Um, and that's how it's all started. And I started giving concerts. Um, actually, uh, I did public concerts since I was six. And um, everybody thought I have talent. I didn't know it. I didn't feel it. I was just practicing. Not much, as usual. <laughs> um, it just came very easy to me. Uh, I loved the pieces, so it, it made it very uh, enjoyable to play. And then I won a competition. It was all Ukrainian competition. I had no idea about the magnitude of it. Um, we went through a bunch of kids from my school. Um, it uh, became international Lysenko competition, I found right now. But it started all these years, so many years ago. Um, and my teacher said, 
oh, you have to go to, uh, to Moscow to the special music school. My parents would never let me go alone, of course. And I, nobody planned for me to be a professional musician. My father was a, a dent, dentist. My mother was an English teacher and translator. And, um, you know, they loved music. My mother was erudite. She, we had so many records, LPs, and opera all the time. She was singing all the arias. She was very talented, <laughs> men's and women's, <laughs> in different languages, too. Um, so they said, okay, that's very good. You have music, um, you have talent, but, you know, take it easy. It's, it's very hard life to be a musician, art, and especially artist and ballet dancer, which I would love to be at the time. You know, just you will grow up, you will decide. And at the same time, uh, we had to go uh, to United States. So when we left um, and we came to America, uh, I, I was communicating with my teacher and, and she said, you have to go to Juilliard because uh, at your level, you have a chance to get in. So we rented a piano, I was practicing it. Oh, I would never get to Juilliard, but I wanted to, uh, okay, my parents said, you practice, I practice because I, I'm, I was very docile child. <laughs> uh, so I went to the exam and I got in. I was very, very surprised at the time. And uh, Sasha Gorodnitsky himself took me into his class um, while I was in pre-college. And I was uh, the, only, the only person who him took, uh, because uh, Sasha Gorodnitsky was a full-fledged professor, head of the piano faculty in college. So he had two kids, me and uh, Raul Suniko in pre-college. Raul Sunika is a very famous Filipino pianist. So, and I was interested in many, many subjects. In, uh, like in Ukraine, I, I was a good, very good student in school. I loved science, math, um, languages, all kinds of stuff. So I continued like reading a lot and practiced uh, reasonably to be prepared for lessons and my theory classes. And also, again, never planned to be a musician uh, because I uh, came to America and I realized how hard it is. You have to have a steady job, especially, you know, if I was planning to get, ever get married, have kids, you have to support the family. So I was in Juilliard. I also won a couple of competitions there. And um, Sasha Gorodnitsky wanted me to go to a lot of competitions in different countries. My parents didn't have money or ability to come with me. They would never uh, let me go alone because it's dangerous for a girl, very old fashioned family. Uh, so I just graduated Juilliard and um, went to the Columbia University uh, to take my um, PhD for music education in teacher's college. And at the same time I got married and I was expecting my first baby and it was very hard to <laughs> do everything. So, and you have to think how I'm going to leave. So <laughs> I went to computer programming course at the same time as I went to Columbia. It was very difficult. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved programming. It was very interesting to me and came very easily. And I said, oh, that's good. You know, it can be my backup job somewhere. But I was concentrating on my child, of course, uh, when she was born and I was giving piano lessons. Um, and then it came time that I have to uh, 
help to support. So I got a job um, in programming in MetLife Insurance because one of my students uh, was working there and he said, every lunch he practices on Steinway Grant in a big auditorium. So that's a dream wow. job. <laughs> because I can play piano in the, at lunch, I can earn money in something that I really like, and then I'll, you know, do it for a year and two and then just like do whatever, you know, because I didn't plan to be in, in programming. So I actually got that job. Uh, my interview went very well, although, you know, it's, uh, you know, I never had any experience and stuff. I was, um, I, I was good at it. I read a lot about uh, computers. And I was stuck in this field for 23 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was very, it was very good. Um, I actually, my career was quite successful. Um, I got an award from MetLife, like presidential award for some development. And I don't want to get into details, uh, but, which I can. It's <laughs> and then I switched to Mary Lynch because it was more challenging because they said MetLife is like a country club job. I, you know, I like challenge. It was boring. And I started looking for pianos <laughs> in um, um, Mary Lynch and companies surrounding. I thought every, every company is supposed to have a Steinway grant, <laughs> but it was not so. I was very disappointed. I said, okay, somebody will fire me anyway because, you know, it's not my real profession. So I'll go back to music, but it never happened. I, I kept getting promoted. I kept getting learning all these new languages and platforms, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I had to practice at night. Um, so I complained, I told about the whole story to Sasha Garadnitsky and also Nadia Reisenberg, who was my other professor and Juilliard, a very nice woman and so knowledgeable. I'm so happy I knew her. She was like a friend of the family, very warm personality. And both of them told me, keep practicing. You never know what will happen do whatever you can, just touch the piano every day. So I did it sometimes with closed eyes, sometimes 20 minutes, and I kept uh, some pieces alive and my technique. So I, and I sought to be, um, to have a good career in programming, but I, I hate politics, especially like corporate politics. I just couldn't deal with it. So I went to the level of VP and said, that's it. I cannot go anywhere because it's not for me. It's not me. And they um, actually, Mary Lynch was merging with Bank of America, which we didn't know. So they offered a huge package, beautiful, like Cadillac package, to all the people who were like over 20 years. And I thought it's stupid for me not to take it. And then I'll get another job. So I took this package, it's voluntary retirement. Um, and at the same time, I had personal issues because um, it's about my mom. I don't want to get into details, but she was in semi-coma for six months mm -hmm. because of the doctor's mistake. And I got so depressed and started reevaluating my life for the 10th time. And I said, you know what? I'm not going back to programming. I'm doing what I like. And I start because I always loved medicine. I actually helped my father when he came to America to help him learn English and um, study for his dental exam, which is very hard, even for native ones. He finally became a dentist at the end of his life, which is amazing. Um, so I decided I'm going to holistic healing because I love that. I read a lot of holistic medicine. I love yoga. I did it on my own. 
And I got all the certifications in yoga, life co holistic life coach, Pilates, and God knows what, a lot, a lot of certifications. And then I um, started teaching yoga just to earn a little bit money, started giving piano lessons uh, just to earn money <laughs> while I was search soul searching. Um, and I, I signed up for a course in Colombia for holistic healing. But then I started giving like local concerts. People asked me to play and everybody loved it. Nobody knew that I was a programmer. And I got some brilliant students, brilliant little kids and standing in competitions. Uh, they started winning and uh, started having kind of a name as a teacher. And I enjoyed really working as a teacher with kids. Before I didn't um, like that so much, but now I probably matured and having my own kids, it enhanced it. I, I love dealing with different personalities and difficult students. You know, because it's very exciting to uncover what they really can do. So I said, you know what? I'm not doing yoga anymore, Pilates, all this holistic healing is very impractical because you have to get a license all over the place and, um, you know, build, um, um, not the audience, uh, the clientele. So I will stick with music for a couple of years and see what happens. <laughs> so um, I... I put a resume, resume looked real well, as if I didn't put that I was a programmer because I actually got a, man a manager for free. He was helping me out. He really liked the way I played. And he said, don't, you know, don't say anything about um, your programming because uh, it's very unusual. People will not take you too seriously. Well, listen. And then year after year, then I started doing recordings um, and my career picked up. And now I'm actually going <laughs> live with telling that I'm a programmer. I used to say it in some other interviews, but I think it's, it's very interesting. And I don't care what people might think it's professional or non -pro I think it enhances us, whatever we do different from expected route. And it definitely enhanced me because I was extremely introverted and going to all kinds of meetings and making big decisions for the whole company and big projects uh, made me go out of my shell. So now I'm able to like talk to you <laughs> and give other interviews, go on a stage and without, um, um, you know, hesitation, although I'm always worrying and thinking, you know. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. It's kind of interesting. It, it, I wonder if um, it sounds like you have a freedom with your music that, you know, not very many artists get to have. So with this, I mean, you get to really, really choose what you want to do and how you want to do it. Does, um, and so with um, this current album, um, what in, you know, so you got to choose all the pieces you love. So how did that come together? I actually have a very big repertoire because now I can tell it, it's not a secret. It used to be a secret from Sasha Grodnitsky that whenever I had to be um, to practice assigned pieces, I got really bored like after a week or two, although they were not polished or anything. I didn't know. I was like learning all kinds of rep different repertoires, sight reading, improvising. So I accumulated a lot of repertoire, which which needs 
to be worked on, but I have a huge base. So every year I try to do kind of new 80%, 90% new program. And I accumulate the pieces and then I make uh, an album out of it. And I try to be, um, make an album by one composer because that's, uh, that's what they told me. It's good, like people enjoy it. You know, professionals, they like just by one composer. They don't like like a lot of composers at the same time, which, you know, probably it, there are exceptions. So um, so I accumulated a lot of pieces by list um, and I just recorded them and released. <laughs> this is my second list album. First list album was for his um, 200th anniversary in 2011 which was also, has also big pieces like this sonata in B minor, a um, couple of etudes, um, and Spanish Rhapsody. Uh, so this is my second. And in 2018, I did an album, Half List, Half Chopin, and that album had Dante Sonata and uh, complete, like, um, Scarplit Sonetos del Petrarca and Hungarian Rhapsody number 14. Well, you know, I, we should take a listen to uh, one of the things, and I think one of them that we wanted to is Di Farella, which is the trout. And just tell us a little about that, and we'll take a quick listen to that. This is a transcription by list. Uh, my, uh, my album is titled Rhapsody's Edges and Transcriptions, which, which um, I selected pieces like examples of his major areas of piano works. And uh, everybody knows Schubert. Schubert wrote about over 600 songs, which are so beautiful. And Liszt transcribed 50 of them for piano. He tried to be close to the Schubert's um, version, but of course he enhanced it with some virtuosity and more deep sound for the piano. And this is a very beautiful song. It describes Forel who uh, swims around and doesn't even suspect that She's get, going to get caught by, by devious men. But even when, when Pharrell got caught, she still swims around at the end and she still enjoys life and beautiful water. And this is so, it's almost impressionistic and beautiful and dancing, coquettish, charming melody. It just, I, I love playing it. It just lifts my mood every time I play it. Well, let's take a quick so, listen to it. Uh, uh, Di Pharrell from Sofina Agranovich.
and that was DiForella, Sofina Ogranovich. Wow, that was beautiful. And, I know, uh, so much lightness and like you say, dancing. That's what it is. It's very tinkling and beautiful. Well, unfortunately, because you have such a wonderful story, we almost have to wrap it up here, but I want to give you a chance to talk about how people can listen to your music, websites, things like that, and how they can contact you. Um, I'm all over uh, social media, of course, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, <laughs> Instagram, YouTube. I have a lot of videos. A lot of videos were taken um, uh, not by professional camera without any editing, but I, I still put them there because uh, I like the pieces and it's spontaneous. Um, and uh, other social media. So, um, and my... Of course, on my website, everything is listed, including my contact and my personal email. Um, so please contact me. <laughs> we appreciate you coming yes. on Art in the Air. You can find her website. Uh, we'll also have a link on our uh, page, uh, Sofia Dogranovich, pianist. And what a great story yes. from all everything you've done. Thank you so much for coming on Art on the Air. Thank you very much again. And I hope uh, to see you again and hear you again. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Many times. Thanks. Thank you very much. thank our guests this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio, and Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Art in the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker, and for WVLP, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art on the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good, and you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or sending us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. Or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. 
express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. Show the world.